Hey, hi, welcome to The Whole Podcast. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm a pastor at Life Church in Green Bay, and joining me today, as always, is my fellow pastor, Becky Alcantara. Say hi, Becky. Hi, I'm Becky Alcantara. I'm the founder and author of Journey to Wholeness, a program designed to help you feel equipped to face life's challenges. Joining us on the show today is one of our very best friends, Emily Carlson. Say hi, Emily. Hi. I'm glad that you're here again today. Me too. I'm excited what we're talking about. What are we talking about today? We're talking about your perspective. Oh, yeah, wholeness in your perspective. How do we get to the place where perspective is working toward the goals that we have in front of us instead of working against us? Mm, interesting. When I think of perspective, I think of things like forced perspective. I'm a visual artist, and so I think of things like like in uh, in the movie Elf, like when they would make Buddy look really big and all the other people mm-hmm. look really small. Like It wasn't like computer-generated. They would do that with forced perspective, meaning they would put, like, uh, um, what's that guy's name? The guy that played Elf, Will, Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. They put Will Ferrell really close to the camera, and they put the other people far away from the camera, but keep them all in focus, and so that made it look like they were bigger and smaller. It's like when you go catch a fish. This is even better. It's okay. like when you catch a fish, and you have your picture taken with it, you hold the fish super close to the camera, yes, so the fish looks right. like it's half your size. Yes, you know. Yes. So anyway, that's perspective to me. Mm-hmm. So how does that apply to like the kind of perspective you're talking about? Yeah, that sounds like a skewed perspective, right? Ah. So seeing things larger than they truly are, Mm -hmm. um, but also um, in comparison to, right? So I'm looking at something and I'm measuring everything else by it. And yet it's off a little bit because of the angle to direction of which I received that information. Yeah, I I love that you said angle because I feel like that's part of it too because it's the angle from which I'm seeing this. That's perspective. Mm -hmm. Because if you, again, I don't mean to keep talking about me, but like one of the things I always do when I'm taking pictures is almost always I'll get on the ground. Like I feel like that is such a different perspective than one that, like when you take a picture with your phone, like you just stand there take a picture with your phone from your eye height. Mm-hmm. It's a different picture if you get low and shoot up. It's mm-hmm. a different picture if you go high and shoot down. It's mm-hmm. like yeah. all those things are different perspectives. Again, not even like, um, not that it, what was the word? Tainted, not the word uh, bent. Skewed. 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 Right. So not necessarily skewed, but just even just different is still mm-hmm. okay. And mm-hmm. so I feel like a lot of us look at life that way from where you are, what does life look like? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's perspective. And sometimes we're at different places in life from other people, even people in our own homes. Like mm-hmm. we're just at a different place in life. And so we're looking at the same life, even though it's the same life. From a different It just angle. looks different, mm-hmm. you know, in perspective. And so I love that. So let's get to like your fancy book definition. <laughs> All right. So when we talk about perspective, we're talking about the unique and particular way that we see the world. Because like you said, no two perspectives are the same. They're each, they're unique to each individual and they're unique because of the background, the environment, your senses, experiences, interactions. It's a combination of your viewpoint as well as your understanding of what you are perceiving and receiving. So like you said, uh, any two people can grow up together. And if you ask them to recount a story from their own home, just depending on where they were placed in the room, if they were further away or closer to, or if they had had a different interaction prior to that, it helped shape how they received what occurred in their home and then how they relay that information. Uh, But it also helped them to decide something about their world. Our brain is always taking in information to determine what is the template, what is the framework with with which we're working within. And then it applies that to every situation afterwards. And so it's not something that happens in our 
conscious self. It happens in our subconscious and unconscious self. So it gets to a point where you don't even realize that this is a life commandment. Some people call it um, an internal dialogue. Others people call it. And then a limiting belief is something, another term you might hear about that this is limiting how I view or receive something. And I, in my brain, this is like the the bar. This is the ultimate truth. This is how it is. No questions asked. Because if we were always processing what is true and what is not, we wouldn't move our foot forward or take a breath, right? Our brain has to get very efficient. And the way that it does get efficient is that it uses these templates, these frameworks to then define and receive all of the information that comes to us. And there's like billions, millions of pieces of information coming at us every single day. It couldn't possibly process that um, each individually and determine what is right, what is wrong, where to put it. And so it uses frameworks. And that's really what we mean by our perspective. I wonder, Emily, like I know that you're recently married, like less than a year, yes? And so like like having a whole life with someone that's wholly new. I mean, I know that you knew each other. It wasn't like a mail order bride situation, but... (laughs) But like, I wonder how perspective plays out at home for you, right? Like these are two different, like, cause you guys were grown ups, not like 19 year old kids getting married. Like you both were not old, older though. We're you know? adults. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we have talked about that on multiple occasions because being, um, starting a marriage when you're an adult, you've already established a routine as an adult, as an individual, you have habits that you have established. You have um, all kinds of things that are that feel set, you know. And so you put those two people together, and there are some conflicts that will surely arise. Um, and so, yeah, I think you know, young couples when they're just figuring it out when they're getting married young, um, have opportunity to grow together in that more than when, you know, it's later in life. Um, so I think there are always times though in marriage, in relationship where you're going to, you know, recount a discussion, let's say (laughs) a heated discussion, you might say, um, and say, well, you said this and that's why I said this. Mm -hmm. Well, then that person says, well, I never said that. You know, are you remembering the same argument? Yeah, Mm -hmm. you are, but you're, you're viewing it. You received it through a lens of perspective. Mm -hmm. And that is based on your history, your, um, past trauma, like all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, we say in journey to wholeness, our perspectives are real to us, but they may not always be reality. And so that's where we can enter into some contention, right? Because you definitely receive that and experience that in the way that you're communicating, but it may not be true that that person's intention um, or what they were trying to communicate was what you heard again, because their perspective, their uh, experience and interactions has formed how they communicate. And that might be different in their family, in their uh, culture in their workplace, right? So you bring two of those together and now we realize we may not be speaking the same language. When I say a certain word, when I use a certain tone, um, when I say a certain thing, it may be completely different. The intention behind it may be completely different than what you have experienced or what you use to communicate. And I know you, you've mentioned some of, you know, the use of humor even or sarcasm in a conversation and how that can be received. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, 
my family growing up, sarcasm wasn't a thing. Like that wasn't something that we were allowed to use or not necessarily not allowed, but it, it just wasn't um, employed in, in my family. And um, my husband's family uses it a lot in, in a hum- humorous sense, mm-hmm. you know, and poking fun at each other or like, um, you know, little jabs and they view that as as fun. And so um, that was something that we had to contend with because to me that was like, oh, you know, is that unkind or is that, is that okay? You yeah, know, so yeah. that was a conversation for sure. I feel like that's, you know, I don't know that this is all the thing that we're talking about. So I don't know if we're on a tangent right now, Becky, so you have to steer us back if we're off on a tangent. But I feel like um, as I, as I came to understand how to communicate better, I realized that I needed to take a second in heated discussions or arguments to say, hang on, I just want to, I want to rephrase this, how I'm hearing it mm-hmm. just so I make sure that I'm not assigning other value to this than you mean it. Cause Correct. when you say that, I hear you say, blah, 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 blah. Right. right? Oh no, that's not what I mean at all. I mean, la, la, la. Oh, cause I thought it was blah, blah, blah. But if it's la, 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 okay, keep going. Right. right. So I feel like there's value in that, but you've got to be under control to do that. You've right. got to be, you know, you've got to have your wits about you. You can't be in the, in the process of reacting to do that. Right. Yeah. Which is why it's so important to do the work in understanding your perspective, understand what has influenced it. You know, what your background is, what your upbringing was, um, are there traumas or abuses that you experienced that may be creating a framework that is not fair to the person that I'm having this interaction with. And if we're not aware of those things, then it's very easy for us to get triggered and to get emotional. And then there's not a constructive conversation happening anymore. We can't ask that question. Yeah, I and not clarify anything at all um, because we're already on another tangent and we're having a conversation within ourselves rather than with the person that's in front of us. Right. We're having a, we're having an argument with their interpreter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and we're like, we've employed the interpreter, right? So if you can imagine, like, if you've ever watched like someone make a public address, like I think of Billy Graham back in the day and Billy Graham would be preaching, but he could only preach like one sentence at a mm-hmm. time and he would wait for the interpreter to say what he said. Right. And then he'd talk again. You know what I mean? And so like, really, even though Billy Graham was preaching, like the people there, they were just hearing what the interpreter said. And sometimes we do that same thing. We hire an interpreter to tell me, me what my arguer, my mm-hmm. ar- my opponent, you know, or whatever, however you want to <laughs> look at it. Not. Right. But like I, it's my own interpreter that's, and so I'm taking what the interpreter says rather than hearing, mm-hmm. you know, what those actual words mm-hmm. are. And that's, I mean, now we're playing telephone. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you think that it's your perspective itself, that's the interpreter. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're playing telephone, but it's all within yourself. So no one else knows that this, um, the scenario is playing out, right? But the more that we understand that that's playing out with all of us, I have an interpreter and you have an interpreter. So we're playing like that's four yeah. um, marks away. What four steps? What was the Kevin Bacon? Degrees. Four degrees from Kevin Bacon, right? We're already four degrees away from each other when we're just having a conversation between the two of us. And we make the mistake of thinking we're talking directly, we're having the same conversation, using the same language. And that is not true. It can become true, but it only starts to become true when I have an awareness of here's how I, here's what I know. Here are words that trigger me. They, they, don't any, make any rational sense until I look at my story and go, oh, this is why that bothers me. But for your family, this is a positive thing. So now we can communicate that to each other and make alterations so that we have the best 
possible mode of communication to get to. Remember, we're starting from wanting to work together and get to a common goal together. And we forget that in the process of getting stuck in the muck of all of the details of trying to figure out what we're even saying. It can seem exhausting and like a lot of work. But honestly, as you start taking these strides. As you start doing that work, your brain is so efficient in that it starts to redirect and starts to catch on to what you're trying to achieve, that that becomes seconds. It be, it goes from you know a few minutes of conversation to a minute of conversation to seconds. That I don't make those leaps anymore because one, and we've talked about this before, I'm starting from the place where, hey, I chose you to be like my like my confidant to be my ezer. So it's a biblical word. And you're, I chose you to be back to back with me because I trust you. And I believe that we're going to get somewhere together and accomplish the goals that I have in my heart that I believe you have in your heart as well. And somewhere along the way, we, we get out of that. We forget that. And then suddenly that person becomes our opponent. And that's not true. It may feel that way because there's work to get to the place where you are back to back seamless. But once you get there, the process is quicker. Do we have to make adjustments along the way? Absolutely, because we're both still growing and evolving and and changing. Um, but we can do that together when we understand how our inner workings contribute to that. You know, one of the things that Lambeau Field here in Green Bay is famous for is there's no bad seat in the place. Like no matter where you are, you have an unobstructed view of the field. Now that doesn't account for like big giant drunk guys in front of you. So like <laughs> they can't account for that. But as far as like the seats go, there's no unobstructed, there's no obstructed view. And so Lambeau Field's famous for that. But I feel like in life, that's perspective. And sometimes we have things that are obstructing our view. And that's what gives us bad perspective or poor perspective or faulty perspective. What are the, like, what does that look like in our lives? Like, how does that play out? Yeah. Like, you know, like, how can we tell if we're, we don't have the right perspective? I think, um, and, you know, another thing to consider is proximity. Um, we talked a, uh, about like holding something too close and it's all you can see because it's, it's right in front of your face. And, um, sometimes you need to take a step back and you need to, um, create some distance in order to view that thing or, um, with more clear perspective. And so I think proximity is a thing as well. And, um, you know, how are you, how are you positioning yourself in the situation? So I know I'm using Becky's language here, um, proximity and posture and position. It's the, the pastoral thing to do mm -hmm. the alliteration, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes we hold something so close. We're focused on it so hard that all we need to do is take a couple steps back to see a a bigger picture of it mm -hmm. and our perspective can shift just in that. And that's your experience. I mean, you really were intentional about doing that. You acknowledged that there were some things that were affecting your perspective and you were determined to get to the root of it. And so you did something that not everyone would do getting ready for a wedding. So talk about that. Um, well, I, I chose to go through journey getting uh, ready for my wedding. Um, and it was fueled by journey to wholeness. You can find out more journey to wholeness.org. Yes. Um, so, so journey to wholeness. Um, and it was fueled by a, 
a perceived issue with our communication. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, we're having trouble communicating sometimes. I feel like a poor communicator um, and I I want better for us. Mm -hmm. And so I chose to go through Journey and, um, you know, it ended up being a host of other reasons why I needed Journey um, and and mostly to deal with, um, you know, a, a trauma that created a root of shame in me mm-hmm. um, and was affecting my perspective and my communication style with my husband. And so, um, yeah, I, I really dug after that. Mm-hmm. And most people come to Journey because there's some red flag. There's something that doesn't seem to be working quite right. What we don't always realize is that there's a root to that. And for you, the root was what had shaped your perspective yeah, uh, my framework. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk about that. Like, what was the framework that you had adopted that was being used to filter everything in your life? Yeah, I had some religious framework that um, I've I've now identified as kind of the culprit of um, <laughs> my skewed perspective mm-hmm. of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was raised Lutheran, which... Um, you know, is great, Mm -hmm. but, um, I developed, you know, a thought pattern of what is, what is okay and what is not okay. What makes me good and what makes me bad. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't necessarily biblical. And so, um, I created this pathway in my brain that said, you know, because I did this because of A, B, and C that equals I'm bad. And so, um, you know, living life with the perspective that you're a bad person mm-hmm. <laughs> will shape, you know, the way you communicate with people will shape your relationships and, and your choices uh, and your choices. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And so it wasn't necessarily you were a bad communicator or it was, what were you fighting against in that communication? And it wasn't actually the person in front of you. It was what you feared he would find when he actually got to see the true you. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a posture of um, being defensive, mm-hmm. I think, for myself. Um, having Feeling like I had to defend myself because I think, you know, what people say the longest distance is from the head to the heart. Mm-hmm. And so I think in my head, I knew, like, I'm not a bad person. I'm a, I'm a good person. And I, I love Jesus and... You know, I want to make good choices, but in my heart, right? because the heart is deceptive, mm-hmm. I was feeling like because of this, mm-hmm. I, I can never be that. So. Mm-hmm. so then how would you say that directly affected your communication? I, I would say it was that, that defensiveness. That is something I'm still working through um, in my marriage is that I tend to kind of be on the defensive a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Hey honey, could you do this rather than doing this? And I'm like, well, I, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Scott would say, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think it, there was this like jumping at each other, 
you right. know, so that you're reacting, reacting. Yeah. yeah. So you ask, what's a sign that our perspective may be skewed, skewed yeah. and it's reacting, reacting with emotion about something. It, it, it seems disproportionate. disproportionate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are common words we use. Right. And then, um, receiving, um, any criticism as condemnation. Yes. Right. So if someone asks you to do something different or they make a suggestion to you that it's very difficult for you to receive criticism because you attach that to your worth. Right? And your character, yeah. And your character. And so when you're battling to become a good person, but still having your heart that you believe that you're a bad person, now everything in your perspective is trying to accuse you of being that bad person. Mm-hmm. You're fighting so vehemently against it, right? Because your intention and your heart and, and everything that you've arranged your world around was to prove that you are good or that you're not bad. Now, we can go the other direction as well. So if your perspective tells you you're bad, you can go, well, I'm not even going to try to be good. I'm just going to be this and see how that can change the direction of what choices we make and what we think that we're capable of and what we can achieve, right? So we can go to either extreme. So if you're thinking, well, I don't do any of those things. I don't even try. Well, your perspective may have told you this, but you still chose the direction, the path in in uh, response to that. So reaction, how you receive um, criticism. Uh, what other things would you say impacted your perspective or your communication? Um, I I think it was a lot of like closed off, like not sharing my heart, not sharing um, out of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was basically emotionally unavailable mm-hmm. <laughs> for, you know, the, the better part of our dating, which was, it felt like I had some walls up mm-hmm. that, um, my husband could really identify that they were there. Mm-hmm. And so he was, you know, trying to break through and I was, you know, just building more walls behind right. those walls. You liked your walls. They protected yeah. you in mm-hmm. your mind. Yeah. For sure. And yet we talked about walls in previous um, episodes on how they really create a barrier to the fullness that is available to you. So here you have this man who wants to love you and you're like, stay on the other side of that wall because I don't want you to actually disrupt my world. Um, Love me. I want you to love me, Mm -hmm. but I also want to have this wall here in case. (laughs) In case. Yeah. We talk about that shielding our heart in case it doesn't work out. Right. And what we really do is just keep ourselves from that. It doesn't affect anyone else except for the relationship we're trying to build. Right. Yeah. I want to touch on that for a second because I feel like the first step in figuring this out is figuring it out. So like, I mean, identifying that this is an issue, mm-hmm. you know, saying, oh, I, this is how this person makes me feel, or this is what I feel when I'm around this person or whatever. But I feel like it's important that we do what it takes to fix that in ourselves that mm-hmm. we can't just get that here's what's happening out and then expecting them to come at you right. or towards you or whatever. Like, cause then you're, then you're reliant on somebody else right. to have help fix it. Right. And you've got to fix it in you. Right. So no you one else can fix it for right, you. You can't identify it and say, here's my brokenness. Mm-hmm. Make sure you consider this brokenness when you, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Tread lightly, please detour around it. No, yeah. that's not what we're talking about here. Well, And there's nothing inherently that happens in life that creates that awareness for us. Mm-hmm. You know, there, you have to really go after that intentionally, like you talked about, Mm -hmm. there's nothing that's going to all of a sudden, you know, light bulb, like you have awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to generate awareness for yourself. You have to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that is seeking out programs like Journey to Wholeness, 
um, that can help you do that. Because then once you create awareness, Mm -hmm. you close the gap of reaction time. You close the gap between you and that person that you're communicating with. And then what you can do is bring that person into awareness of what you're perspective is. And then when you both have awareness of each other's perspective, then that creates, you know, that closes the gap even further. Mm -hmm. I just feel like if you don't, if you don't fix it inside your, I'm sorry, if you don't fix it inside yourself, you're just setting yourself up for more disappointment or more, more frustration. So like, I think about it, I think about a time I had a person in my life that I said, Hey, when this happens, it makes me feel that way. Mm -hmm. So if you could avoid not doing that, that would be great. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of fixing it in myself, I'm like, Hey, if you could just not do that, which would be fine. Like if everything was 100% okay. Right. But if it's not hundred percent. Okay. That person might say, well, I mean, that's your problem, not my problem. Just because you take it that way. doesn't mean that's how I'm meaning it. So I'm not going to change. Right. And so like now, you know, so then I would be like, Oh, that person super doesn't care about Mm -hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Again, so now I'm going back to this, like, I'm still broken in pain. Yeah. And so I just got to fix it in me, mm-hmm. you know, so that way I can't rely on someone else no. to to carry my brokenness, mm-hmm. you know, or respect my brokenness or honor it. Like, if, if they do, that's fantastic, right? If they're mm-hmm. with you through it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think... I think in a marriage, like you, you can't expect that of each other. I think you can ask, Hey, while I'm working on this, exactly, this is triggering me while mm. I work through this, can you help me? You know, I think, I think that's okay. But like in, you know, acquaintances or, or whatever mm. other relationships, I, I think you're totally spot on. You have to do that in yourself mm-hmm. and you can't rely on others. But I do think in a marriage relationship, um, it should be both. Yeah. And really we're talking about like, what are the flags here that we can identify so that we're, we put ourselves in a better position. So there are going to be things that trigger me in my interactions daily out in the world and in the workplace. That's just a given because we're imperfect. But when I understand that, Oh, why am I, I'm upset right now. Why am I upset? They use the word that I know upsets me. Okay. This has nothing to do with the situation. It has to do with what I'm working on in me. So let me set that aside. Like literally in my head, I'm like setting that on a shelf. I'm going to work through that tonight, tomorrow, this weekend when I have time to do that, but that doesn't have to affect the interaction that I'm having right now. Right? So it gives you the upper hand. It gives you that sense of control that you're so desperate for when you have an outburst, there's nothing worse, right? Especially if it's in the workplace and then you have to go back and face those people tomorrow or you quit and go find a different job. But after a while, you can't do that anymore because like everyone in the industry knows about like you who like has outbursts in the workplace. So at some point you need to work on that so that you can accomplish and achieve and have the interactions and have um, the, the respect. I think a lot of people look for or, um, what word am I looking for? My, um, oh, so word my grandma used to use, but I want to be perceived in a certain way. Uh, I want to accomplish certain things. I want to be, um, the expert in, in my workplace, but I can't do that if I'm constantly being triggered and not communicating in a way that's effective. And so, you know, we're talking a lot about perspective in our communication, but perspective in how I see myself and what I decide to pursue and perspective affects all of that. And until we understand what it is that influenced those things, we're always going to be a slave to it. We're always going to be a victim to those things. And 
you know, what a victim wants more than anything is to have control again. And uh, control doesn't come by way of being emotional or being angry or being crabby or people being afraid to approach you in a room. That doesn't get you the the status or the respect that you think that you're achieving there. What it's doing is just alienating you and isolating you even further. And then it's just you and your perspective. Um, that is always with you. And so for me, it was so important to actually take the strides to clean that up because I want it, I want it more, right? I, I wanted to actually not just in my kingdom, in my mind, think that I was achieving the things that I was and then um, having to hide a part of myself. I wanted the fullness. I wanted to be the same in my home as I was in the workplace, as I was in, in church on a Sunday, so that I didn't have this completely fatiguing process of having to balance out different parts of my life. Um, worried that people would find out that the true me is this person who's really at odds with herself and who doesn't believe great things about herself. Um, I needed to work on that so that it didn't then bleed over into the people around me. And that's, I think, the the biggest mo- motivator for me was that I could see that I thought that this was just me and my crisis within me. But I started to see how that affects other people around me. And um, it wasn't easy to be humble (laughs) and to swallow my pride because I was very proud about the kingdom that I had built um, and about all the things that were in place that protected me in my head, or I thought they did. But if I was being triggered and I was having breakdowns and I was isolating myself, that told me that I hadn't actually uh, built a solid kingdom and I needed to to do better. And for me, that meant looking at God's kingdom and what he said and how he said he created us and how our inner workings work and looking at scripture in conjunction with science to understand, okay, now I have a better understanding of my inner workings and what he made me for and what he says about me. Let me start to adapt that into my perspective. And if there's something that doesn't line up with that, that means that something is off in my perspective. And I need to go after that and find out why that is so that I can walk it back out. And that's the whole purpose. Yes, we can get to it and say, oh, that's why I'm like that. So everybody tread lightly. No, the goal is let me go and root that out and walk. When I can walk the path into this root, the source of what is affecting me, I can walk it back out and rebuild it and correct it and restore that and strengthen it in the direction that I choose that is life-giving. I feel like I'm always hosting something somewhere. And so when I invite people there, I feel like I it's responsible of me to like show them a Google map, you know, satellite Google map of where I'm talking about specifically. And so, but I never ever show them like a close up of the building because that doesn't do any good. Right. Like I, I zoom out right. to the point where I see all the cross streets, all four cross streets, then they'll know. Right. So this goes back to Emily, what you had said about how a lot of perspective has to do with proximity. So I'm going to get further up so I can see where it is in context or in relation to other things that they might know. Like they're not maybe going to recognize the building I'm pointing to, but they'll definitely recognize Webster and you know, whatever streets mm-hmm. or whatever. And so like, I feel like that's one step to correcting our perspective is by proximity. What are the other ways that we can correct our perspective? Mm-hmm. Um, posture. <laughs> um, how, how are we positioning ourselves in life? Are we looking for our trauma? Are we looking for the bad? Are we looking 
you know, how are we thinking about ourselves? Um, like Becky had said, that's going to bleed out into all of our other areas. So I think some of the, the most powerful tools that we have are gratitude and worship um, and getting in God's word because that's how we know what's true. That's how we know what God thinks and feels and says about us. Um, and that's how we replace, you know, those those un, ungodly beliefs or, or the... Yeah. There's three things, maybe four, that we talk about, um, posture, pronoun, and um, presence. And so pronoun being that um, I need to change the pronouns that I'm using sometimes when it comes to correcting my perspective. When I'm looking for someone to blame or to point at or to defend myself from, I'm using the wrong pronoun. And the pronoun I need to use is I, me. Right. And I start there, but then my pronoun that I use is him. And when I say him, it's God. Like, what is his perspective? What does he say about it? If I look to anyone else, if I look to the people around me, I'm going to be relying on something that's flawed. I'm relying on human flesh. And scripture tells us don't rely on human flesh because they're just as flawed as we are. They've gone through things just like we have. And so when we look to other people, and especially like in a marriage, we look to the husband as being the knight in shining armor, or we look at our our wives as being, you know, the one that's going to fulfill all of our dreams. We're setting ourselves up for disappointment. The only one who does not disappoint is God. And disappointment can be very dangerous in that it can taint everything around us, right? We start, again, it taints your perspective and now you expect expectation so or disappointment so when you're saying your posture what am i what am i facing what am i expecting today i can't have unrealistic expectations right um i can't rely on the unmet expectations that i have from my past my expectation has to be today is a new day and i have an opportunity for growth and for things to go right today and even if they don't as of 10 o'clock in the morning i can go okay as of 10 o'clock in the morning forward now what is my posture what am i looking for because what we look for is what we're alerting our brain to find and we will find it. And so if you're looking for disappointment, if you're looking for someone to let you down, that is going to happen only because you've set your posture in that direction, told your brain to seek out those things, and now it's collecting that data. Have your brain collect different data and you'll see that your perspective starts to clear out. The third one is um, presence. Who am I in the presence of? If I'm around people who have really bad perspective and they like to talk about it and complain and doubt uh, and and uh, dwell in the muck of it, then that's where I'm going to remain. I need to get myself in proximity in the presence of people who are seeking better, who are speaking wisdom, who are speaking life. But then I need to be in the presence of the one who does give life. So I need to make sure that I'm inputting into my database every day, new and fresh information that is life-giving and the most life-giving is God's word so that it can replace those other um, synapses and connections and neurons in my brain that were flawed, that were shaded, they, that were tainted. As those die off, because they do, because we're being renewed every day, it's just science, then I'm replacing it with the stuff that's going to give me life and actually change my perspective and change my posture and help me to build up and to improve and to improve my relationships and then the direction I go as well. And so... You know, those are some of the elements of the journey that we talk about. Like, perspective is everything. If you're not working on your perspective, then all of the other subjects, all of the other topics of journey to wholeness, they're they're not going to be fruitful for you until you take the time to, like you said, take a thirty thousand foot view 
and look at what is it? Where have I been? Where am I coming from? What has affected me? Oh, look at these events here. I think that's where I decided this so that I know, okay, now I can plot where I'm going. If you want to wander aimlessly through the wilderness like uh, the Israelites for 40 years, you can certainly do that. But we have a choice. Uh, God created us with the right to choose and to direct our path, and we get to invite Him into it. In fact, He's asking to be joined in it, but it's still up to you. Yeah, I just want to revisit just one last thing uh, uh, with that... um Cute girl in the end. Emily. Emily yeah. said. <laughs> Hi, Scott. I'm Emily. <laughs> anyway, so I, I know that maybe not everyone that's listening is, is a Jesus person. And so um, that might, like the words that you use might be foreign to them. But I feel like that God and his word and his love provide a control for us. Not control like it's in charge, but control like saying, here's the exact measurement. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think a yard is based off of Henry the first's distance from his nose to his outstretched thumb. Like that was officially a yard. And that was it. Like, it's like some people have shorter arms or bigger noses, or right. maybe they were missing a thumb. Like, I don't, you don't even know. Like you couldn't do a yard by like a, like a footstep because what if people had long legs or short right. legs? Like look right. at your little legs. Yeah. Like your yard is like a foot and a half. I, my steps are like three to your one. Yeah. yeah. And so like, there's no way you could do it that way. So there had to be one truth. There had to be one absolute. And so King, King right. Henry was like, okay, it's the distance from my nose to my thumb. That's officially a yard. And so when we talk about God and all of this and how we can look like, what is the absolute truth? Like, what is a true reflection of this? Or what is the, mm-hmm. what can I truly measure this against? Yes. Like it's God and his word. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you don't have that, gosh, I mean, like, let's help you get that. Like email Becky or email me or email mm-hmm. Emily or something. Sure. Or like, we'll definitely help you figure that out because that's yeah. the most important piece. Cause mm-hmm. otherwise you're measuring yourself against everything, but right. what's true. Right. And we tend to do that, right? Because we jump from different thoughts to different methods. I think that's the biggest problem we have right now is that we lack consistency. Um, we, we're just so quick to want to have that quick answer, the quick result. And when we don't get it, we don't stay in a certain thing long enough to see the results that are going to occur, um, because of how we're designed. Yeah. So like, if you're like, if you're just like grabbing the most recent bestseller on the self-help book, you know, and this week it's what's her face and then it's what's his name. And then it's this other chick. And then, you know what I mean? So now you're changing it Mm -hmm. every time you're changing because that one didn't work. I didn't Mm -hmm. like how this one measured. And so I'm going to find Mm -hmm. another one. Right. Well, there's only one place to reach for the absolute truth. Right. Right. And, and one that you can trust in, I can trust an author or I can trust this, you know, bestselling forever book, (laughs) right? right? The Holy Bible, which is actually, it means the collection of books on how to be whole. So like, if you're looking to be whole in your life, you're looking to be complete, you're looking for what is that that I'm missing, that is the source to go to. Um, It's it's longstanding. Many generations have used it. We've misused it sometimes, but we've used it. And when we enter into it, when you're talking about building yourself up, that is the whole goal that God has. He loves you and he wants to see you living a full, full life the way he designed you to. And yes, there's going to be obstacles and challenges and frustrations, but he has promised to be right with you in those. And so get close to him, get close to people who are close to him, Um, have them speak into your life and show you how to walk this out so that you can understand better, so you can have better. Um, That's the goal of everything that we do here. Um, We... (laughs) 
I started Journey to Wholeness because I didn't have the tools available to me. And once I learned what they were, I wanted to give them to everyone. This is us giving it to you, to everyone. Please pass it along uh, because all we want to see, all we know is good is what God has said to us. And that's a whole life is available to you. And so take it. Yeah. I love that. Okay. I think we got it. I think it. Yeah. yeah that was a good show. You guys. Thanks. That was fantastic. <laughs> Becky, how can people find more information about journey to wholeness? Visit our website at j2wholeness.org, the letter J, the number two, wholeness.org. We have so much information there, free resources as well as classes and intensives that you can be a part of. That's fantastic. Listen, if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love it if you would rate or review it on your favorite podcast platforms or better yet, uh, subscribe to it. That would be great too. We'd also encourage you to share it with people that you might feel might I don't know, benefit from some of these words or some of these thoughts or some of this direction, because that's what we're all about. Like, it's not enough that we're whole or that we're full or that we're known, but it's that everyone can know that same kind of satisfaction in their life and that same kind of joy. And so that's our hope for you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the whole podcast. We'll talk to you again next time.